Hello everyone and welcome back to the Did They Do It podcast. I am your host McKinley Daw and I hope you all had a fantastic Easter weekend if you celebrate um, with your friends or family or whatever you did. I hope you had a good time. Uh, I was really sick last week and went to the urgent care twice so I wasn't able to put out an episode. As you guys know, sorry to leave you on a cliffhanger since I know this is a part two episode. It was pretty horrible, so the episode would not have sounded so good anyways, so just maybe be thankful for that. Um, I had strep. They actually called me today and were like, you had strep. Awesome. So, yeah, it was pretty miserable, but I'm a lot better now. I got antibiotics. Everything's good. Everything's good now. Um, anyways, I don't think I have any other news for you guys, so let's just hop right into part two of The Crimes of the Murdoch Family. So today we are going to be covering the second half of the extensive criminal history of the Murdaughs, including the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdaugh and all the crazy events that followed. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to that so you can get caught up on who is who as well as all the events that happened prior to what we'll be talking about today. So last week, I played the 911 call in which Alex Murdaugh reported that his son, Paul, and wife, Maggie, were dead and had been murdered. Now, I'm just going to go through a timeline event of events that occurred um, in the evening of June 7th, 2021, so we can understand what happened kind of after the murders took place. And this is also part of the timeline that the prosecution presented at Alex's trial in 2023. Now, for some context, just as like this will kind of come into play later, June 7th is also the day that Alex Murdaugh was confronted at his law firm about missing funds, but she embezzled. So investigators believe Maggie and Paul were killed at 8.50 p.m. near the dog kennels on the Moselle property where their house was. They just had a huge amount of land and they called it the Moselle property. Paul was shot twice with a shotgun, once in the chest and once in the head. Maggie was shot five times with an AR style rifle and two of those shots struck her in the head. After the murders had taken place at 8.53 p.m., Maggie's phone was used because the Face ID feature was activated, implying that the phone was picked up by someone who was not Maggie. At 9.02, Alex Murdaugh's phone was used and recorded 283 steps at about 70 steps per minute. At 9.04 p.m., Alex Murdaugh called Maggie's phone twice, but there's no data of that call from Alex's phone, only Maggie's. At 9.07, Alex's car left Moselle to head to Almeida, which is his parents' house. At 9.08, Alex's car drove by where Maggie's missing cell phone would be found the following day. After passing that location, the vehicle quickly increased his speed. So he likely threw the phone out the window and then drove away. At 9.10, Alex called his son Buster. The call lasted 60 seconds, but once again, there's no data of that from Alex's phone, only Buster's. At 9.22, Alex arrived at his mother's Almeida property, but he paused halfway up the driveway and parked by the wood line away from the home. The speed of that trip is faster than any he took during the day, reaching 74 miles per hour. 
At 9.29, Alex is let into the home by Shelly Smith, Libby Murdaugh's caregiver. She testified that Libby is in the advanced stages of dementia and that she was asleep during the visit and that Alex was just on his phone a lot. At 9.46, Alex called Paul's phone and there was a connection for 18 seconds. Once again, there's no record of it from Alex's phone. At 9.47, Alex texts Maggie, call me babe, but the text goes unread. Alex Murdaugh's car reached 80 miles per hour where the speed limit was 55 as he returned to Moselle. At 10 p.m., Alex returned to Moselle and parked at the main house. At 10.05, Alex's car drove to the kennels from the main house. A minute later, he parked by the kennels. At 10.06, Alex called 911 from the Moselle property. And at 10.25, the Colton County Sheriff's Office arrived at the kennels. In a brief interview in a cop car the night of the murders, Alex said, When I came back here, I mean, I pulled up and I could see them and, you know, I knew something was bad. I called 911 pretty much right away. The cops found a gruesome scene with blood all over the ground and walls of the kennels. The murder weapons were searched for but never found, but investigators speculated that the gun used likely belonged to the Murdoch family. They had an extensive gun collection. I'll put that picture up on the Instagram, just like a room full of guns. The type of ammunition used to kill Maggie was also found in the Murdaugh's gun room. So on September 3rd, 2021, Alex Murdaugh was forced to resign from his family law firm after his partner said he had misused millions of dollars of client and firm money. The next day on September 4th, Alex called 911 from the side of a road close to his home, saying he had been shot in the head. He told the 911 operator that the shooter had pulled up next to him and he was fixing, as he was fixing his flat tire. And I'll play part of that 911 call for you right now. It's around eight minutes long, so I'm not going to play all of it. But um, I'll play just enough of it because it's kind of interesting and I'll kind of talk about why I think it's interesting after. Now, one was emergency. Oh, no, I'm um, Salkahatchee Road. Okay, what's the address on Salkahatchee Road? I'm by the church. Uh, what church? Uh, you? What church are you talking about? Uh, I don't know the name of it with the red roof. Um, okay, what end of Salkahatchee Road? Because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, at the Hampton County side. Okay, what's going on? I stopped, I got a flat tire, mm -hmm. and I stopped, and somebody stopped to help me, and when I turned my back, they tried to shoot me. Oh, okay, were you shot? Yes, but I mean, I'm okay. You shot where? Where were you shot at? Huh? Did they actually shoot you, or they tried to shoot you? They shot me, but... Uh, okay, wait, you need EMS? Uh, well, I mean, yes, I... I can't drive. Okay. I'm and I'm bleeding a lot. Where, where part of your body? Uh, I'm not sure. Somewhere on my head. Your head? Somebody just stopped for me, ma'am. Um, for 911. Okay. Still? Hey. Okay, let me speak to him, see if he can tell me exactly where you are. Okay, and what's your name? I'm still here. I'm still on the line with you. What's your name? Alex Murdoch. Okay. To me, he, in this 911 call, he just sounds 
so calm, even though he's been shot in the head. You think they, I, I get shock, definitely a real thing, but I've never heard of a case of shock where that person is just so incredibly calm, where they're not like hyperventilating. Like he's on the phone, he's like, yeah, I'm on this road, kind of by a church with the red roof. Yeah, someone pulled over to help me fix my flat tire and they shot me somewhere on the head. I'm kind of bleeding a lot. Like, whoa, it just sounds so calm for someone that's just been shot in the head. Anyways, that's just my thought on it. So on September 6, 2021, Alex released a statement through his lawyers that he was going to be entering a rehab program because we talked about in part one how he was kind of battling a, a pain medication addiction. On September 14th, Alex admitted that he asked a former client, Curtis Edward Smith, to shoot and kill him on that September 4th incident so that his son Buster could collect a $10 million insurance payment. So that whole thing was just a ruse to get this insurance money. Some people speculate that it's was a suicide attempt um that he hired this person to kill him so he could just you know be done with it yeah i some people speculate that i think it could be a possibility but i don't really have a solid opinion on it but anyways on september 15th gloria satterfield's family members filed a lawsuit against alex alleging that he pocketed settlement funds related to her death. On September 16th, Alex was arrested and charged with fraud and conspiracy in the suicide scheme, but not nothing is he's not being charged for anything for the murders of Maggie and Paul yet. His lawyers said that Alex was depressed and struggling to stop abusing painkillers when the suicide scheme happened and that he would check into rehab. And a judge was like, okay, that sounds good. Judge released him, ordered him to surrender his passport so he couldn't leave the country and, like, run. A month later, Alex was arrested at a Florida rehab center and was charged with stealing millions of dollars from Gloria's sons and was jailed in Richland County, South Carolina, and was denied bond. In June of 2022, police said that with the permission of the family, they planned to exhume Gloria Satterfield's body to perform a second autopsy. On July 14, 2022, Alex Murdaugh was finally indicted on two counts of murder for the murders of his son, Paul, and wife, Maggie. A week later, Alex Murdaugh pleaded not guilty and basically saying he wanted to go to trial as soon as possible. And on January 23, 2023, Alex Murdaugh's murder trial began. So I'll just kind of briefly summarize both the prosecution and the defense arguments, and then obviously highlight any key pieces of evidence, um, just because it's obviously important. So Alex Murdaugh's defense attorney, Jim Griffin, alleged that law enforcement fabricated evidence against his client. He claimed that had SLED, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, done a competent job 
of gathering evidence, Alex would have been excluded from the suspect list a long time ago. SLED took samples from Alex Murdoch's clothes, but they never took DNA samples from Paul and Maggie's clothes. They should have, like, in my opinion, in hindsight, they probably should have taken DNA samples from everything in sight, but whatever. There were mixed results from what the state said was high-velocity blood spatter on Alex's shirt that they had gathered that night. So they then embraced a theory that Alex committed the murders, washed himself off with a hose, and got into a golf cart naked to drive to the house before leaving to visit his mother, is basically what the defense is alleging the prosecution is saying, that he committed the murders, washed himself off with a hose, and drove in a golf cart naked back to the house to like, get ready before leaving to visit his mother. The defense also speculated that there were two different shooters the night of the murder since two different guns were used. Which, honestly, that makes sense to me. This isn't one of those theories where I'm like, oh, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, that makes no sense. Since there's two guns, it honestly, two types of guns, it would make sense that there were two different shooters. So that does make sense to me. A forensic engineer testified for the defense and said it was possible that there were two shooters. He testified that based on the trajectory of the bullets, the shooters must have been short between five foot two and five foot four. The defense argued that since Alex Murdoch was six foot four, the defense was basically saying he was too tall to commit the murders. And the prosecution countered this, basically saying it wasn't possible to conclusively determine the height of the shooter or shooters. But yeah, I feel like there's not, you can't say this person was five foot two to five foot four. That's pretty narrow. And, you know, you never really know for sure. As far as all the lies Alex Murdoch told, the defense just said, that's what addicts do, they lie. And he didn't want his, quote, closet full of skeletons to be revealed. So what skeletons? Like, the bodies that he has to him? Like, the people he's murdered in the past? Like, his family obviously has lots of skeletons in their closet. Alex Murdoch even testified on his own behalf, stating that he was visiting his parents' house at the time of the murder. And he also admitted to embezzling money from the law firm, misleading his clients, and lying to his family about his addiction. And But other than that, the defense honestly didn't have a whole lot that could prove Alex Murdoch wasn't the man who killed his family. Like, they have the guy who testified that there were two different shooters, and they were shorter, but... I, like, putting myself in a juror's shoes, I wouldn't be like, oh, then he couldn't have done it. Like, that doesn't do anything for me. Like, he was, like, and what the prosecution presents is just way more hard-hitting and, like, really puts the nail in the coffin for me. So, throughout the trial, the prosecution accused Alex of being a family annihilator and a liar. They presented several pieces of evidence from Alex's phone during trial, and it was more about what they didn't find on Alex's phone. Mostly, multiple calls Alex made to Maggie where the records appeared on Maggie's phone, but not on Alex's, and we kind of talked a little bit about that 
on the timeline, how a call would be made and that would be reflected on like Maggie's phone, but not Alex's. So one of the biggest pieces of evidence came from Paul Murda's phone in a video taken from his phone just literal minutes before the murders took place. Alex Murda's voice can be heard in the background, placing him at the kennel that night. The video is basically Paul's just videoing their dog um, that was in the kennel. And you can hear Alex say something in the background about the dog. He says, quote, if Bubba didn't have that chicken, maybe we wouldn't. So his voice can be heard in the background just calling to Bubba, one of their family dogs who had a chicken in his mouth. And so this is kind of crazy because this placed him right at the crime scene minutes before the murders. And at the time he was claiming he was at his mom's house. So obviously he wasn't at his mom's house. He was at the dog kennels where those bodies were found. And this is what personally like really hits it home for me and like oh a hundred percent he did it after a six-week trial the jury deliberated for only three hours before finding alex murdoch guilty of all charges and he was later sentenced to two consecutive life sentences so he is never getting out of prison like hopefully ever um but there is also a netflix documentary on this case it doesn't cover the trial it only covers what happened prior to that but i do think it's really interesting to watch they interview all the um people the friends involved in the boat crash um they interview like paul's girlfriend and mallory beach's boyfriend and just really get the whole story, and it, is a, it was a really good watch. I would definitely watch it again and recommend it. It's called Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal. So I would definitely go watch that. Um, as far as my opinion goes, I have quite a few opinions on kind of what I think was going on. So I have a few just bullet points I'll kind of read off of. So Alex Murdaugh was obviously an addict, and he, they, he would literally as we've seen, do anything to keep his reputation intact. I think that even in one of the body cam footages of a cop who was there the night of the murders, you he's like, who the cops like, who would have done this? And Alex mentions the boat incident and how like people were mad at them for that. I think he killed Paul to get rid of everything going on with the boat accident. Because obviously that was becoming a big deal. Everyone knew Paul did it. Paul was guilty. And he just couldn't handle his reputation, his family's reputation being tainted like that. Um, I don't know why he would kill Maggie. Um, my theory is he might have just stumbled on it. Um, and that could possibly be the reason for a second gun. Maybe she wasn't killed until later. But they think, but investigators say it all happened at 8.50. So I don't really know why Maggie... And also, why didn't he kill his other son? Why didn't he kill Buster? Why only Paul and Maggie? I don't know. I wish I knew. 
So the whole boat thing, the boat accident with Mallory Beach and the boat is so absolutely horrific. And I can't believe a family, like the Murdoch family, would dehumanize a victim and their family when obviously Paul was the one responsible. And they absolutely, like, instead of, like, being apologetic and maybe helping the Beach family, they just completely were thinking about themselves and were selfish. I believe Buster Murdaugh and his father killed Stephen Smith because Buster was likely involved with him and wanted to keep him from talking, once again, to keep their reputation in this small South Carolina town clean. I also believe Gloria Satterfield's death was not an accident. I don't know who killed her. Some speculate it was Maggie Murdaugh, but I think Alex Murdaugh is the man who obviously has no problem with murder in this family. So I think it was likely him, but I'm not for sure. She likely found out about Alex's pain med addiction and threatened to tell, and he had been lying to his whole family about it. So he killed her to keep her quiet and kept the life insurance money. That's kind of what I think. I also believe all of the victims of the boat crash in that Paul was extremely drunk and was driving the boat recklessly and he killed Mallory Beach. Overall, I think this is just another case of a wealthy family who was given too much power in a small town and abused it to the point of committing some serious crimes, which Alex Murray is now facing the consequences for because he was involved in all of this. And it's important to remember that even though the media coverage has been completely surrounding Alex Murdoch and his trial, we have to remember the victims. Stephen Smith was described by family and friends as one who was always unapologetically himself. He didn't care what other people thought. At the time of his death, he had big dreams of becoming a nurse and then a doctor. Gloria Satterfield is remembered for her laughter and her outgoing personality. She liked to play tennis, she loved kids, and her favorite color was purple. Mallory Beach was a happy-and-go-lucky girl who was dearly loved by her family and friends. She played soccer in high school, and she loved animals and enjoyed hunting with her dad. Though the Murdoch family members may not have made the best decisions, Paul and Maggie are still murder victims. Paul was a loving and genuine social butterfly with an abundance of friends. He enjoyed hunting and being outdoors, and he was always eager to lend a helping hand to those in need. Maggie had a heart of pure generosity and loved welcoming friends and family into her home on any occasion. She adored her family and loved spending time with her sons. She is remembered as a second mom to her son's friends. She made the most out of every situation and lived each day to the fullest. If anyone listening has any information on the still technically unsolved murders of Stephen Smith and Gloria Satterfield, please call South Carolina Crime Stoppers at 888 888- Two seven four six three seven two, and leave your tip anonymously. And that's part two of the crimes of the Murdoch family. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at But Did They Do It Pod, and I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye, guys.